Blog Talk Radio. This next half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Gentlemen, behold, Dungeon Crawler Radio! <laughs> Hello. That was it. Whoa. Wow. I was welcome to the Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Wow. I blinked and I missed that. Where everything is backwards. Did not yeah. see that one coming. No, sorry. Wait. Uh huh. I, I, I haven't gotten a, a movie quote yet. Ready? No, that's okay. So. <laughs> well, the reason I did that is because someone was complaining that they no longer want to hear that intro, and so I just got, hey, listen. Who said that? Hmm, who complains a lot? Hmm. <laughs> Stop looking at Wait, me, guys. Who? No, actually, I was really wondering. Oh, you're so, serious? Yeah. Okay. Am I coming in? Um. You you are, but you you're are. very quiet. All you right. I'll just have to yell louder. Oh man. Yes. No, we're ha. Ah. He's, he's cranking it up. So uh-huh. everybody's gonna get a headache because of me. Yep. <laughs> you're gonna be very quiet. Really, and here I was. I just thought all that caffeine I just drank was going to give me a headache. Nope. Needed no help on that one. Hey, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? No. Yep. Yes. Yep. You got it. And the only person that heard that was Joe because his mic was off. <laughs> oh. 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 Where's the love? That was awesome. The love so is in other words, out the door. In other words, that was like five seconds of dead air. Thanks, but, Rev. Yeah, some of that. No, yeah. it, was, it was five seconds of me going, eh, eh. Yeah, which is which is me as well. I probably picked up on Joe's mic. So I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do a couple things. I'm gonna move. Let's see. Now try it. Nope, can't hear you at all. Now try it. Nope. Now. Okay, how about now? Yeah, we hear you a lot better. All right, I'm so glad we're doing sound test now and not. I like the uh, the troubleshooting technique. Just stick it into a different hole and see if it works. (laughs) That's that's what she said? That's my philosophy in life. Oh, wait. That's uh, Flagoon at (laughs) DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. And it begins. All right. Try it now. Hello? There. We can actually hear you You better. You can hear me now? Good. A little bit better? Excellent. How am I on the ones and twos? Well, see, this is the problem is you can't really adjust anything until we're live on air. It's crazy. But, yes, anyways, welcome to another exciting show of Dungeon Crawlers Radio where we have a great guest on tonight. We have Tobias Bakel coming back on the show, talking about his new book, Hurricane Fever. Yes. Hurricane Ooh. Fever! Well, and, and here's the best part. That See, like, that sounds like you got to start like... One lucky listener is going to be going home, or be calling in, or something, because I have copies Ooh, of his book nice. to give away on tonight's Very show. Nice. Wow. They actually sent us three copies to give away tonight. Oh, that's nice. So generous. I know. So uh, this is the uh, the sequel or the follow up to Arctic Rising. So okay. we will have it, it's going to be exciting. Okay, I see. So he's going for weather themes. Yes, gotcha. Yes, right. yes, yes, yes. And he has another book. Arctic Rising. Arctic mm-hmm. Dull Rain. Yeah. Right. Yep. Isn't that a song. I don't know. Oh, it's purple. The name rain. of his book. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it deals with <laughs> an, an ex spy living in the Caribbean. So hey. Then there's that YouTube stoop song, rain. Chocolate Rain. Chocolate Rain. Yeah. So. Uh, I know last week we said that Deep Love was going to be on, yes. but Zakora lied. 
No. No, just kidding. Lie. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, she got it right. Uh, basically, they ran into a conflict, and we had to swap week. You know, yep. move them to a weekend, which worked out really well because we had uh, arranged for Tobias to be on tonight, so it just worked out yeah. the way it should have. Yay. Yes. So they'll be on with us next week. They're next week. They're going to be coming in and sitting down with us for their interview. Which is going to be interesting how we're yes. going to pull this off now. We'll have to share microphones Yeah, now. some mics are going to... Some people are going to have to actually show some love. And, and we can do squeegee that. in. Yeah. We've done that I before. like the impromptu uh, mic stand. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Whatever I can do. I yep. like it. So, um, we'll get this figured out. How we get, dare you we make me get use this. my hands. We've, we've got some <laughs> exciting stuff coming up. Uh, next week, we'll, like I said, we'll have Deep Love. The week after that, we'll have the man, John Brown, yeah. on the show. Uh, Drew got the opportunity to play Firefly with him, and uh, we'll be talking about his... So, we had him on years ago, and he's yeah, talking many, about many, many, many his Servant of, of a Dark God book. Well, he decided to... Uh, he got the rights back from the publisher, and he went... Uh, kind of went indie. Yeah. Uh, publisher's own... He now has three of the Dark God books out, and he read the first one. So it actually makes more sense, and it's... Yeah. So we'll talk to him about that and and the the two other books that he's released out as part of that series, and uh, I I can't wait to hear more about Hunger. Great character. And then uh, the following week after that is we are rounding that up. Oh, and somewhere in the middle of that, we got to put in Erin Evans because we have an interview with her. So I think she's actually... we're going to have to have a twofer with Deep Love because we're going to have Deep Love and then the Aaron Evans interview. On the same night? Yeah. Holy crap. Talking about her new book. Uh, and then then after John Brown, uh, we have, and I know everyone's going to be excited about this, at least I am, uh, we're going to be part of the Wizards of the Coast blog tour for R.A. Salvatore and his new book that's coming out. Awesome. I know. That's awesome. We're, we're going to be listed on their website. It's going to be awesome. So... For those of you out there, the uh, Gen Con videos are up. There are five more that have to go up. Uh, that will go up this evening. Unfortunately, due to a small hiccup, yeah. I had to delay publishing them. But five more? After all that, we still have five more to go. Wow. I know. When it rains, it pours. I know. Yes, it does. <laughs> I haven't even touched the Comic Con videos yet. <laughs> oh man! And we got tons of those. And and here you were freaking out that we weren't getting enough content at G- at Gen Con. Uh, no, I just wanted to keep to an average, and we did it. Yeah, but you. Were, oh, we did. You were you were still freaking out that we weren't getting enough interviews while we were at Gen Con. Don't deny yeah. it, Rev. That's his job, though. He's it, it's my out. job. <laughs> True. I need to make sure that we have content. Uh, uh, yeah. As, uh, content was a plenty there. Yes. Oh, no, yeah. it was. In um, the end, yes. So we'll be getting those out. Comic-Con videos will be coming out. And then no more, well, no more con videos. But For the year. There, there, there'll be some stuff that we'll be showing up. We'll talk about that stuff later. Oh, okay. Um, so exciting things are to come. That's right. So uh, with Tobias Buckel, we'll be on in just a few minutes here. Remember, if you want to call in and ask him any questions, you can dial 626-226-1475. The lines will be open. Or if you're interested in getting any questions out to any of our future guests, you can shoot us an email at info at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. You can also find us on the Google. Yeah, also on that Google Plus. Plus. You can also like us on Facebook. We always post up interesting things there. Or you can also hit us up on Twitter, which is DCR underscore show. And Twitter is like 
burning up. And it's if, actually doing something. I don't know if anyone noticed, but uh, Paul McGann retweeted one of our tweets. So we have a doctor that has retweeted our tweet. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, yeah. I watched that Granted, that's the only interview from Comic-Con that I have up right now just because of <laughs> yeah. we promised, but there is more to come. Lex Luthor, Flash, you know, Ash Ketchum, uh, you know, Glabber, many, many more. Dark and Raw, whoever you, whatever you want to call uh, Craig Parker, uh, and many, many so, other um, ones. On that same note, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, no, if anybody wants to get involved um, with uh, with the DCAR Twitter, how do they do that? Zakora, please. Uh, well, you go to Twitter. Oh, really? Here I am in the wrong place. You can find us at uh, DCR underscore show. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. And you can follow, follow along us. with hashtag DCR. Yeah. Hashtag totes. You can retweet. Totes. Totes. Or favorite. Totes my goat. <laughs> I'm learning all about Twitter. I love Twitter. It's a new world. <laughs> there, there's, there's actually a lot of really cool things um, that we can find uh, coming up. Uh our website, you can simply go there up at the top. You can click on that, and there is a link there that can pull it up for us. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get Tobias hashtag, added. Hashtags are fun, right? <laughs> hashtag <laughs> everything. Well, let's just put it this way. The best training in the world for Twitter was Gen Con. Yeah. Because as we were doing videos, I was taking pictures and then posting it to Twitter and Facebook like immediately saying, we're doing this right now. Check us out, because this, this video will be coming up soon. And it was lots of fun. Um, I had to recharge my battery several times a day, but <laughs> hey. And you're the most vocal opponent of using Twitter, and suddenly you're taken to it like a now like that I to water. Now that I know how to use it. <laughs> it is a little uh, intimidating. like an old grandpa that it just is. discovered a new technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually, you know, years old. But. Oh, look at me! <laughs> so, so I have to, I, bringing up old technology. So yeah. I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure nice. with my oh kids my on gosh. Netflix. I love it. And they had they looked at me and like, what is that box? Is that like a Doctor Who box? I'm like, no, that is a phone booth. <laughs> That's you know when we didn't have cell phones and you had to call someone because you were stranded on the side of the road or. Your tire got flagged. You found a (laughs) phone booth, went in, put in a quarter, and called someone. You had to pay a quarter to call someone? And now it's 75 (laughs) bucks a month. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With free long distance. And a data plan. All right. I'm going to profess my complete ignorance to Doctor Who right now. You're fine. So is, like, the inspiration for Doctor Who actually Bill and Ted's then? No. Doctor Who has been around for 50 years, so it's the other way around. Okay. Well, perfect then. So, all right, that's uh, Flagoon at DungeonCollegeRadio.com. You can go ahead. Oh, and- thanks, bro. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, that's the one. That's you know, odds are that's going to be the one thing that gets me the most hate mail. I apologize. I, 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 I'm not a nerd in everything. <laughs> no, Doctor Who me. is my, it's my black hole of geek. Just, geek, geek and I will focus it straight over back to Drew <laughs> just for everybody else. You can tweet me at word Drew. There you go. Yeah, actually, I just. Only the, in the last couple of months, mm-hmm. got onto the Doctor Who train. Well, thankfully. that's I kept trying to watch the first episode, and it was so 
It's hard bad. to get through the With, first episode. With like the very first episode back in the 1950s. They were like in some costume shop or in the back of a warehouse or something. Oh, like with mannequins. Yeah, yeah that's done. Skip that season. Okay. It, just, well, well, see, you skip the season skip two. The this season, is like, it's like getting into comic books. I have, nowhere, really... I have no idea where in the hell to start and what to pick yeah. up with. My suggestion, I, I watch the last that. two episodes of Eccleston. Or Eccleston, or however you pronounce like his name. Yeah, you can watch that. Watch those last two episodes so you can watch Tenant come into fruition. Christopher Eccleston. Then, I mean, he's not even that good looking, but he's just so continue on with uh, <laughs> adorable. With you have uh, to watch it. yeah, his name, awesome. Just watch it. The first episode is really, really hard to get through, but then you get to you, you see with with TV series. I always and, say you got to at least give it three before you you know yeah, say, I'm, forget judgment. this. You know, yeah. Even like with uh, for instance, Joss Whedon. I know probably not. I'm probably the oh, only man. person who's ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer that sits. That's sitting at this table, but even that was really hard. Like the first five episodes, you were just like trying not to laugh because the special effects yeah. were terrible. The writing was, yeah. you know, they're just trying to. Not quite there. Yeah. Don't you talk Angel, about Joss Whedon's writing? Well, well you know, was after, even how, in that, that beginning. Was that was after I know, that. That right? It's like Shakespeare now, yeah. but. But anyway, you always want to give it a, give it a try. But the first episode is always the hardest. Now that's so. that's pretty sound, actually. Before you really pass judgment on something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Unless it stars like I'm, I don't I'm know, four like... episodes into uh, Peter Capaldi and I'm actually starting to like him. See, See? there you go. There you go. So I say the the only exception to that he's is like fr- anything with Peter Dinklage. You, you just need thirty seconds. This good. Yeah. He's, Give 30 seconds he's playing a very quirky, crazy doctor, and I'm actually starting to dig it. I like the fact that he wears a different shirt every episode. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that annoyed me is the doctor always wore the same outfit. You know, he's wearing the same jacket and pants, but it's a different shirt. So he does change his clothes, folks. <laughs> Which is good because I'm pretty sure that bow tie got really stinky. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I learned at Comic Con with the doctor panel that I went to with Colin Baker and Colin mm-hmm. again is they one of the questions they were asked is how did you come into your doctor? Like character, were you able to create it? Did they give you direction? Like, what was the process? And for Colin Baker, they were kind of like, "Well, what do you want to do with it?" Mm-hmm. So, from the sounds of it, they give the the actor a lot of freedom in creating what type of character this new doctor is going to be, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know of a lot of roles that you know the the actors are allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's fun to see what they come up with. I'm excited to watch the new one. Well, I, and I think that's yet. the case of all the doctors. They've got yeah. their own little flavor to them. Given them but just as long as you do this, do well, whatever you want. I think there there is a little bit of this is what we want to see. Right. And then they make of it their own. Um, you know, because you know there are if you look at the classic stuff, there are doctors that I can't stand. Colin Baker is one of them. He's such a cute and old man right now. It, it is so funny. I could not bring myself to actually want to interview him. He had an empty line several times, oh. but because I cannot, and I know I'll get flack for this, but I, since I cannot stand his version of the I doctor, I couldn't talk to him. I, I just I couldn't. Could. And, what, you think it would change his mind? Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen the classic one, and so I was like, well, this will be interesting because I don't know these guys, but yeah. I... It was like seeing the doctor in real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't even seen any of you know, you know the and, portrayal of the doctor, but he was just. And great. I went back and I went and saw the movie with Paul McGann in it, and it it's it put it is cheesy. It was a cheesy, 1999 
made-for-TV movie Love them. that was really poorly produced. Yeah. Well, that wasn't even done by the by BBC. No, was it wasn't. It? No, it wasn't. That it was, was, it was an American. Yeah, Fox. they were trying to move Doctor Who here, um, trying to get an audience here, and it failed because there just wasn't an audience now, at that time. No, at the time, the doctor, the one that heralded in the uh, the the. The, the doctor that's not known the as war the doctor, doctor. Yeah, the yeah. war doctor yeah well and he did a good he did a great job in that little mini little he did sketch. He was well great in and, that. and if you if you guys go check out our our interview of him he talked about it but the eighth doctor really lived in audio <laughs> you know because there wasn't an audience they moved him and did all the audio and Paul McGann did a lot of that and so that's where that doctor lived until that final scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking to him, he literally had maybe a, a day and a half's notice. I mean, Stephen Moffat called him up, said, "Hey, we're going to do this," you know. And he's like, "He's like, can I think about it?" He's like, "No, I need to know now." He's like, "Oh, okay," because he was with Colin Baker and a couple of the other guys. He's like, "He's like, oh, sure, sure, I'll do it." He's like, "Okay, we 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 film tomorrow, or like <laughs> you know, in a day, or yeah, yeah, or like on Monday." And oh, he's should, like, should, uh, "Okay." Should, should we introduce ourselves, perhaps. You know, we Pretty, always forget uh, to do quarter, that. Lately. Quarter past the hour. So, uh, if anyone is wondering, this is Revan. <laughs> this guy named Joe. This is like trying him. to not to laugh. Uh, the Cora. <laughs> this is Drew. And that rounds out our cast. See, I am go. still waiting See, for Drew Tobias. Drew has a nice frame to it, and I caps it off just nice and simple. Nothing, nothing, nothing fancy. Nothing pompous the, like the great and mighty Lord Fragoo. Hey, see, there hey, you go. You hey, book it off with title. the simple. Okay. You, yeah, you book yeah. it with something simple. <laughs> yeah, it works. It's got a nice flow to it. You respect the title. I love you, Flagoo. I love you, man. from the tree <laughs> in Scotland, but we got to come up with the $5,000 to fly there first. Okay. okay. But we'll, yeah. we, we'll, we can get this, we'll figure this out. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> uh, I think you were just challenged. To a duel. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. There's no duel. It's, it's, we're just we're just gonna do a straight up hanging. Okay. You know. Man. <laughs> it's his land. He can do what he wants. It's, I guess. It's my land. Right I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> See, now the key is we go the week before, besiege the land, yeah. and then take it over. Yeah. There you go. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. I'll build like a ten foot, a ten foot trebuchet, and we can start laying siege. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we still don't have Tobias yet. Uh, so we'll just move on until I see him jump online. Let's uh, jump into some geek news. Okay. Uh, this is really this week, weird. Stuff happened. Yeah. Awesome. Happened today. No, no dead grandfathers. Oh come on! We're gonna, yeah, we probably are. Gonna I, I think we've beaten that. Horse today to... I've got big dead giant squid. So okay. got you covered. <laughs> we touched on it once. That's all we need, right? Twice. Just twi- twice. We'll save the other one for later. <laughs> Wait for the blind side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, so I guess some of the big stuff that went on. So, uh, I don't know, everyone. Destiny. I know. That right? happened. Destiny happened. Destiny totally I'm happened. pictures from my friends and up on Facebook. It's a very beautiful, a game. beautiful game. But I will say this, though. It does suffer the same flaw. And I'm, the more I play it, the more I'm finding less flaw to be more and more unacceptable that the main the p- protagonist that you are portraying in that game has almost zero personality yeah no defining characteristics other beyond the armor you're wearing and the gun you carry everyone else has a brilliant personality 
That and it also has Peter Dinklage in it, so it also that's points. Well, yeah, the ghost has a better personality than your character. That's does. very true, yeah. and not just because it's Peter Dinklage. Yeah, but <laughs> but especially because <laughs> it's, it's doubly so. <laughs> but but the point is though is that all these all the basically all the NPCs have more of a personality than the main character. So how am I supposed to sympathize? It's like why do I care whether or not this character lives or dies? Mm-hmm. Other than it gets me to the next checkpoint. Yep. So, so is this supposed to be like an RPG type? Yeah, game, it's like a blend of a it's blend of a first person shooter with MMO aspects. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's just um, it suffers a huge, huge flaw. I heard that. Uh, so I had another friend tell me it's a beautiful game. Like graphics are amazing, but the story just isn't that great. What confusing. about confusing? Confusing. Very confusing. They don't explain much of anything, hmm. which is unfortunate because I mean it's obviously setting itself up to be a trilogy. Well, of course. Okay. And so I find it to be a little, um, you know, if you'll pardon the language, I find it to be a little half-assed of them. Yeah. To hmm. basically craft a game knowing that they will not tell a complete story. Yeah, and that I mean that's it, man. In, yeah. in, in all great trilogies, every single. You know, every single part of the trilogy is a standalone, right? Like in right. a great trilogy, the the first episode is a fantastic standalone. The second one stands on its own, and they just build on each other. Yeah, that's and not the case anymore with modern game well, uh, game development. Yeah. Now, game yeah. development is how many uh, how many years of uh, you know reselling the basically the same product can we get out of yeah. this? It's yeah, it's kind of a it's a lackadaisical approach. I mean, there are of course a few exceptions. Um, I mean, Mass Effect being the first one because you can play Mass Effect two, mm-hmm. and you can pretty much know what happened before and have a pretty good idea of what might happen next, or at least you know posit theories about what'll happen next. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it's like if you just played number two and then never played number three or number one, you're fine. Yeah. It's and still then, an enjoyable with, game. Yes. All the way around, and you could definitely see marked improvement too, not just in in its um, uh, not just in its narrative or its you know character development, but just in gameplay in general. Yeah. It actually improved on itself. Yeah, so, unfortunately, that's you know an ex- an, uh, it's an exception, not the rule. My my only problem with it too is when, I, when I'm looking at uh, Destiny and I'm looking at its thing, it doesn't really seem to me like they're selling the actual like game itself. Well, they're selling the game, but it doesn't seem like they're selling it as the solo, the single player game. It mm-hmm. looks like they're just selling the multiplayer aspect well, of see, it. That, which, well, that's which, what it is. Yeah, and that is like one of the things that is a complete and total non-sell for me, because I hate multiplayer games, especially multiplayer first-person shooters. Yeah, yeah. well, a, well a good bulk of the game, me, though. That's what made me, like, this is a, just say, oh, hell no, to Titanfall when it was like, yeah. oh, well, it's got a story, but you got to play freaking all the, you know, you're playing it all multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so here's the thing that turned me off of it. One, you have to pay a monthly upkeep for a game you already paid 60 70 80 bucks for. I didn't know it was a monthly. Well, you have to pay. Well, you have to pay for Xbox Live. Yeah, for or you have to pay well, for no. your PS4 online account so you can continue to play. Otherwise, you can't play it. Well, the, the, the no, no, no. So that's not entirely true, though. With Des- on Destiny, you do have to have a gold account to play in the in the PvP and in some of the and some of the cooperative events. But you can play the game. All you you just have to have an internet connection. That's all you need. 
Yeah, it's just so uh, still, way, still, you thing. have a monthly upkeep because you have to pay for your for internet on top of it. You oh, can't yeah. just five you bucks, can't have internet. Than, no, about, you, no, about, you find if you find if you look for the deals with gold, like when you when you look on there. I mean, it's like that. I I I have not paid more than five dollars for my gold account since two thousand and nine. But for those for those people that don't want to be connected to the internet or anything like that. Then, then are there you don't people out there? Just get a place yeah, there are. Xbox 360 because that's yeah. really... Well, no, that's just, no, it's just that's the thing on that game is you have to have an internet connection to play it. What if I don't want to connect to the internet? That's the thing that's... The, yeah, those games, I just like, nope, I, don't, I won't even pick okay. them up. Then, then, then that, that, and then unfortunately, then that, people, that's so. the consequence of doing it, though, so. uh, of staying offline like that. It's like, yes, you're more, more than entitled to do so, but... Yeah. Unfortunately, you do not get to participate in the stuff that yeah, is okay. out there. But because you are refusing, you're, you're not to... a better or worse person for doing it. No, that but is just no, the just a normal game. You it. have to have an internet sure. to play it. Yeah, most. Games which is just yeah, most games you do. No, not most games. There's a small. It's only a three percent uh, of the total games out there uh, for console games that are online only. So I don't know. The three percent seems to be a little that may be exaggerated. No. It may change, but it, only three percent are on, online it's only. More than three percent. I'm not saying they're they're not all online only, but I'm more than positive that a lot more than three percent of games out there have some form yep. of DRM tacked on it that's going to make it so you. Have there you to go. Have an There's nope. three letters that Already makes it all all justified in the eyes of every game yeah. developer, every console maker. DRM, Digital Rights Management. Yeah, well. As long as they, as long as they can have a stranglehold on their own content like that, they're gonna do it. Yeah, well, it's the it's end. just it's it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. that, you know, it is, but they're selling it as a multiplayer game. They're selling it as a multiplayer map, and there's there is very little to no actual decent story you can get out of a multiplayer function. The closest you can no, get to you a can't. decent story uh, I would is disagree. with MMOs. First-person shooters, though, I would rather, like, just imagine how much worse Half-Life 2 would have been if it were you had to play this with multiple players. I'm not seeing it. You can't do Half-Life 2 with multiple players. That was the point of that game. But with the fact that they keep on tacking on these multiplayer-only uh, single-player uh, story campaign experiences, well, sure, it's a, it's... how the hell are people are going to be able to just, you know, sit down and load? Like, sometimes when I play video games, yeah, call me a uh, a you know like uh, you know call me a nerd, call me a geek, call me uh, the antisocial uh, paradigm of uh, of uh, geekdom. But sometimes, sometimes I don't you want to, play by to have to deal with other people, especially <laughs> other people who play first person shooters because we're assholes. Yeah, man, we kind of are. I don't want to deal with them. I want to sit down. I want to get into the head of whatever person is that I'm playing. Yeah, then first-person... Well, then let's be real, then. A first-person shooter game is probably not for you. That... No. Multiplayer first-person shooter games aren't for me. I love Half-Life games. I love playing Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2. The episodes, they're great. I'm playing Deus Ex right now. First-person shooter. I'm playing um, uh, Bioshock. Another first-person shooter. I love first-person shooters. It's a great narrative. It's a great form to get into your... But what about Left 4 Dead? Left 4 Dead is a multiplayer and or single-player experience, and yet it's first-person yeah, shooter. But they actually... But, yeah, it, but you can have the you choice can, to... You have the choice of playing... And the, the story is still very solid. Still, well, I wouldn't really say that the story is really all that solid. That's actually where yeah, Valve kinda, starts, starts losing the story just for the gameplay. But it's still... 
enough that you can play by yourself. But I, you but still- I would also but I would also cite then because um, I mean Gears of War also had a multiplayer experience and had a phenomenal story. As short as it was. Well, it was also still geared. It was, but it was, it was still geared that you could still play it as for you. a single-player game. Yeah. yeah. These are games, Destiny, uh, Titanfall. Titanfall. That Destiny are, is, but here's the thing, though. Yeah. Destiny is a single-player game. It's it not. Just it has a, it does, yeah. But it has a multiplayer function similar. Where the multiplayer function is more prevalent than the single player. sold than the single-player aspect. You should be able to sell so a the, game it, it's on the, its Single player story alone. The I, first, the I uh, think multiplayer assumption should not be the one selling point. This is my complaint about all of the uh, modern warfare's and basically anything that's trying to clone it. Battlefield yeah. in particular. Yeah, no, it's it, so I've played ninety five percent of my Destiny time has been solo so far. There's a solo story. You can join what's called a fire team, which is one to three people, to go through the narrative with you if you choose to. Otherwise, you can do the entire narrative with the exception of there's typically like one extra event per planet that you can play as a fire team cooperative, or you can go into the Crucible and play PvP. How much time do you get to, would you be able to sink into gameplay-wise in the single-player campaign of Destiny. So why did you want the okay, whole story? While you guys were while you guys were talking, I, I looked up for yeah. some reviews. The Washington Post. This is exactly what they said for the review for oh, Destiny. He's throwing out the ambitious, ambitious Destiny lacks imagination. Oh, it does. I'm not saying that yeah. it is a flawless game. I'm just saying though that some of the criticism that yeah. it receives is not exactly well founded. You can definitely tell that they place a lot of emphasis on certain parts of it. For instance, the graphics. It's yeah. A oh, yeah. It is a next-gen game. game. It's amazing looking. But, I mean, that that happens a lot. Like, oh, you, yeah. you have limited resources, and you got to put right. your priorities in certain... Well, we're going to have to wrap this up. Parts. Tobias is, is available. Yeah. All right. So right. I'm going to add so, him uh, to the call. So at the uh, half of the hour here, this next uh, part of the uh, next next part of the show is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. When you're done uh, listening to the show and you really like listening to Tobias and you want to get a copy of Hurricane Fever or any of the other books that we're talking about, just go to Amazon.com or, well, better yet, you can just go to the sidebar at DungeonCallsRadio.com, enter your search term, clear out your cookies, and shop as normal. We, I mean, we get some money from it. You don't pay anything extra for it. This is like a win-win, guys. It is. Amazon.com. Super easy. All right, so let's go ahead. Yeah, threw that in there. Everybody quick. likes cleaning out their cookie drawer anyway, so. Especially when it's full of yeah, cookies. that's right. Eat them up, clean it out, mm. go to Dungeon Crawlers. Wouldn't that be awesome? Especially the chocolate chip. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how much I hated cookies? the internet when I found out that it was like a plug-in thing and it wasn't actually cookies. So <laughs> I was really upset. Seriously. <laughs> You're wow. expecting chocolate chip cookie to come yeah. out of the dick's drive. Isn't that what the printer's for? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on. Did you see they, they 3D so printed a pizza? Yeah, I heard that. For space food? Yeah, they're what, they're working on that, right? For the space station that mm-hmm. they can 3D print food up there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. They nice. Can, it even prints a heated plate before it... We're running, out of, <laughs> we're running out of the mozzarella cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to get this to add. Add to 
We don't. Uh, Hold on. Buffering? Keep talking. No, it's channeling. It's the fact okay, that we don't have him added as a contact. And well, yeah, there was one other quick piece of geek news. Joe, did you wanna, Yeah. Did you want to shout it out? Also, speaking of Amazon.com. Oh yeah. So also, if you're wanting to get, uh, if you're going ahead and over to Amazon.com, maybe you want to go uh, jump back into your day glow clothes and get your grungy clothes back on because nineties nostalgic soda surge is coming back but it's only for sale at amazon so so you, so you can buy a copy of tobias's new book and a yeah. case of surge that so way you can stay up all content? night dr- drinking surge <laughs> uh, and reading his book you can read his book seven times in one night yeah you drink a case of surge I, I'm really interested, um, though. It has for all surge? the caffeine. Just all of it. All of it? Yeah. All of the caffeine. Yeah. Did you know that you could buy caffeine in liquid form by the gallon? Yeah. Wow. And, and by the pow- like, you can get powder <laughs> of it. And they've had a lot of like recent like caffeine overdoses mm-hmm. and, and people dying because they're buying the stuff and just like adding it to adding Gatorade it. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. or huh. I'm sure somebody's going to grab a surge and then add liquid caffeine to that, and their head's going to explode. Do not do that at home, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. We do, we not, do condone not condone that. Mixing your, but, why did you just tell them but, they could but, do that? But oh. if you do, videotape it and have your uh, successors put it on YouTube. Yeah. You'll, you'll leave <laughs> a legacy of stupidity. But we are not suggesting that you do it, though. If, if you make that video, you will win a Darwin Award. Yep. <sighs> okay, I hate Skype. It's doing it again. And no matter what happens, do not hashtag that video with DCR. Yeah. Do yeah. not. <laughs> do, do not hashtag that. Step away from the hashtag. <laughs> so, uh, not to get back on the Destiny uh, okay. conversation. Okay. Trying to... I don't want to rehash that, but... Uh, Let's not talk about it. Hashtag know, rehash. The new... The new um, um, for instance, the sorry, Fable Legends. They're focusing. They seem to be focusing on the multiplayer mm-hmm. side of things, and as well as uh, what? Oh, I can't think of the name of it. Oh, you're, sorry, you're, Assassin's you're looking Creed. At me. Oh, okay. Sorry, Assassin's Creed. The new one. They're all. It's going to be multiplayer as well. And I just, I wonder what is uh, why these game companies are feeling like they need to push the multiplayer to sell their games because, I mean... I don't know. It's a good single-player game. If I were to posit a couple of theories... Okay. As much as, uh, I don't know, but not, to get into, not to get into the realm of uh, like conspiracy theories. I hate that sort of thing. <laughs> but, I mean, I, th- I think the, uh, my, my, my first instinct would definitely just say, well, because that's easy money. It is. That's easy money because once you have... Um, when, once you have a multiplayer function built into something, there's a, there's already a built-in audience for that sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not talking about good people either. Yeah. Because well, you got to bet there are people who are re- like ready and waiting to troll that thing. Okay, so they're probably targeting then, those that. Then you also only play don't have. Oh yeah. To, you don't have to put, put in as much content, okay. or you don't have to put as mu- put in as much longevity. It. it Increases the longevity okay. of the game. All right, looks like Tobias is calling. In. All right, yeah. Now we got later. it. Very good. Table that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Ginger Colors Radio. Hey, thank you for having me on. Sorry about the uh, time zone uh, mix-up there. Oh, no problem. And sorry that Skype is doing this weird thing uh, where we can't add you. I don't know what's going on. When, We're gonna have to. When in doubt. 
blame Microsoft. We yeah. We fixed it. it, it well, <laughs> yeah, it worked for a week and then it went wacko again. So I think it automatically <laughs> updated. Ugh. So, well, thanks for coming on the show. How are hey, things going? It's been me. a while. I really appreciate it. Yes, it has been a while. Thanks for having me back. No, things are going well. Um, keeping busy. <laughs> Good. I'm getting ready for a, a trip to Bermuda here, which is I'm really looking forward to. I get to be the writer in residence and uh, looking forward to, you know, as you know, I, I grew up in the Caribbean and Bermuda's a little bit far north of the Caribbean, but it's still, you know, culturally and, and historically part of the Caribbean. So I'm really looking forward to getting to explore a new island and meet the writers who are, you know, doing stuff there and uh, just get get a chance to see it. One of, the, one of the islands I've never really had a chance to spend a lot of time on. How do we become your lackeys for that week? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome tax write-off right because, there. Because uh, it's going to snow here soon, and it's going to be freezing cold. Where's we need to go somewhere go? warm. Huh? Well, where's where, is, where is it that you're going to get snow? Yeah, we're in Salt Lake, and the the trees are already starting to turn colors. And uh, according to the Farmer's Almanac, it's supposed to be a really bad winter this year. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. And all sorts of foreboding warnings yeah. about. Scary. Yeah, we're supposed to have like way above average snowfall, and it's going to be across most of. Most of America. Most North of the America. the U.S. Yeah. So yeah, Tobias, how do you just in time? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm super curious about this. How do you become a writer in residence for a country, or a state, or a organization? I hear that like Amtrak <laughs> is doing it, right? Amtrak is doing uh, resident yeah. writers trips and that sort of thing. How, how does one go about doing that? Um, tell us about how you came about that. I'm uh, just. Uh... Just plain dumb luck. I, I'm more, you know, just uh, just lucky, just a lucky guy. Um, what is happening is that, uh, whoa, goodness, um, the uh, the Bermuda uh, Department of Cultural Affairs reached out and they occasionally host writers because you know it, it Bermuda's a whole country, but keep in mind Caribbean nations are not, you know, 300 million people like America. We're talking. Sure you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So it'd be like, you know, being the writer in residence for a large county. And sure. so what they what they do is they bring out our writers to the island to talk to uh, beginning writers and uh, people who are interested on the island. And they can stay there for a little while and, and, and work. It's just like, you know, if a library invites you to come become a writer in residence. And as far as I can tell, they became aware of me just as a result of my work. So just you know, it being you know just being out there, they came across it and thought I'd be someone really interesting to bring in and and talk to the writers on the island. So, and you know that's hard to say no to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, what do you see then as the positive contributions of a writer in residence um, uh, through your experience so far? You know, this is the first time I've ever been invited to be a writer in residence for anything. So. You know, I'm I'm not talking from experience, but there are two benefits I think that happen. One is for the island, it's it's uh, or any place that does this, it's, it's just like any other place that brings in a writer. It's bringing in a writer that you normally couldn't, you know, uh, get to talk to to have a chance to get to talk to them. So I'll be doing a reading and some school visits and an open, you know, session Q and A session. 
so that's a chance for me to kind of go out there and talk about what's going on and, and sign some books and people can have a chance to meet me who normally wouldn't be able to come all the way out to a reading of mine. So you bring the writer to you to, to get a chance to chat with them. But on the flip side, um, and so that, that also works for, I should back up and say that also works for uh, a writer in residence if they're doing workshops, which I'll be doing for the writers there. It allows the island to bring in or for a county or any geographic location to bring in a writer to talk to the to the developing writers in that area in a way that maybe they wouldn't be able to. Not, not everyone can go abroad or go travel a long way and take all this time off work to basically further their skills. So bringing a writer to you is a fantastic way to develop local talent. It's a fantastic way to expose readers to a writer and to just make those sorts of connections. And then on the writer's side, I think, um, well, A, if there's a nice stipend, that's always wonderful because, <laughs> you know, we're always trying to supplement our income. Um, but two, it's also a fantastic way to kind of uh, offer a writer a chance to come out of their usual environment and have some time to focus on writing if if the residents can, can give that. So some residences actually, you know, build it in specifically to allow the writer time to write and get away from their routine. So it's it's a really powerful thing where everybody kind of gets a gets something out of it if it's done right. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So for you, do you see it as an opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, refill the well or kind of just refresh a bit by going to a different location and exploring something new? I, I assume you'll take away inspiration from that, but do you kind of plan these trips between books or while you're working on certain projects? To, to just kind of, again, refill the well or, or to, to find new inspiration? You know, uh, over the last few years, I haven't had much of a travel budget. So I've been dependent on, on just the goodwill of people who want to meet me, you know, flying sure. out somewhere to give me a chance to talk to them. And then I, I kind of see if I can extend the time there to kind of learn some things about that space I'm in. So... I've been really lucky over the past few years to be invited down to Barbados a lot. And Barbados is not too far away from where I grew up in Grenada. And that was really powerful for me because, A, it was a chance to meet Barbadian readers of my work who I had no idea, you know, were out there. But it turns out that, yeah, actually people were reading me and excited to to see me. And a lot of people who didn't know about me were very excited to find out about my work because I kind of have, like, this perfect reader. And it's, it's not just a science fiction reader, although I do dearly love, you know, my stateside science fiction readers, but someone who is, you know, living and or has a lot of experience with the islands and is a science fiction writer is kind of like this perfect demographic for me who gets really excited about my work. And, you know, down in Barbados, if I go down there and, and I meet readers, they're kind of like that perfect reader. They, they, you know, they get a lot of extra stuff that I'm doing in my fiction that speaks to some of them, you know, in a big way. So that's really really cool and, and I've been lucky enough to, to go down there and, and have the chance but also it lets me do some you know finding out what they liked the most and what they didn't and it also allows me to um, explore the island a little bit if I, if I plan it right and so going down to Barbados you know actually was uh, responsible for some of the uh, background research I did and put into the last novel Hurricane Fever So tell us about your book Hurricane Fever just give us a little synopsis and how you how you came up with the the entire series? Sure. Well, uh, with Arctic Rising, this this book was written 
when I started reading a lot about uh, global warming and in particular uh, task force climate change our task force climate change is the US Navy uh, a US Navy research wing that basically studies and game plays out kind of what the military response will be to global warming and the impact it'll have on the US Navy and other military forces because if you kind of imagine you know a future with no polar ice caps you then have an entire a uh, new ocean that has to be patrolled or accounted for with your naval forces. And so they do a lot of work with uh, looking at this stuff. And, and reading it as a science fiction writer, it just basically opened up a whole near future set of scenarios that I felt really compelled to dig into. And, of course, these aren't exactly like tree-hugging hippies, right? You know, Task Force Climate Change, they're the U.S. Navy. Um, the U.S. military also puts out some stuff. And if you read all this stuff, it, the very... Uh, very interesting research, and I started looking at that to sort of look at the geopolitics of, of the near future, which all sounds very dry, but basically it's a way for me to kind of world build around this this kind of topic and find a way in. It's incredibly mm-hmm. ripe with consequences because, you know, it's a future where uh, nations change in power, you know, nations that have access to the entire North Polar Sea um, gain access to new reservoirs of fossil fuels, new new you know mineral rights, and all sorts of things. I mean, in fact, right now, constantly, you know, Shell and 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 companies like that are constantly pushing to try and figure out when they can get the ability to drill, um, all with the assumption that there will be less ice and and it'll be drillable up there. So they're always trying to send boats up there to take a look at it. And every time someone does that, I get a bunch of forwarded, you know, emails from people who send the articles to me. Um, uh, as if I'm sort of like, look, you predicted this. And it was less that I predicted it than I just kind of like grabbed the document that has their sort of like basic, you know, roadmap for the next 20 years. One of which is like, oh my gosh, we can't wait until there's no ice up there because then we can drill. Um, <laughs> who cares if New Orleans kind of, is underwater? <laughs> You know, well, that was their yeah, call for so building under there. the lot lip. So, uh, are, is the uh, uh, so this uh, then this next book uh, uh, coming out? Is this still following the same uh, uh, the same uh, uh, protagonist, or is this coming through the through the eyes of a different uh, person? You know, uh, we've got a we've got a secondary character from the first book who's now the main point of view character. His name is Prudence Jones, or as everyone calls him, Rue. And he grew up in the Caribbean. And so there's a taste in, in Arctic Rising of just how much the Caribbean has changed as a result of global warming. And in Hurricane Fever, we just kind of like take that up a notch. And one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm playing with uh, James Bond mythology a little bit. So when I grew up in the Caribbean, you know, the Caribbean was always like, in movies, it's always, you know, sandy beaches, women in bathing suits, and, and the spies come down there to play and have their adventures. And... You know, what I wanted to do was kind of create a local James Bond, you know, a spy from the Caribbean who is a ruther in the Caribbean. And he goes out and he, you know, solves the problems that are happening in his backyard. It's not a playground, it's home. And it was a sort of perspective that I wanted to bring to the book. So we bring a lot of the adventure and big screen craziness of a sort of James Bond mythology, but we also, it's all done from the point of view of a Caribbean character. So then do you feel that the uh, the locale then, the locale of the, of the Caribbean and, and its islands are um, sort of, I don't know, like the, the mythos or the, uh, the mythology that surrounds it uh, from the James Bond sort of uh, 
perspective? Do you think that's kind of lost being um, sort of seen as a backyard as opposed to this um, almost faraway, mystical, um, almost forbidden land? Uh, well, I mean, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, trying to push back at the idea that, you know, the Caribbean is a, a backyard, a playground for, for Western nations, you know, the quote-unquote great game. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Monroe Doctrine, which specifically states that the U.S. considers the Caribbean its backyard. And sort of kind of, you know, just say like, hey, you know, um, the Caribbean the Caribbean islands are always having to thread this needle between these larger nations that, that uh, you know, push them around a bit. And so I wanted to put, kind of like, you know, put that into fiction and give us a James Bond character that, that manages to sort of navigate that world and, and show it to the readers. So what were your what was your inspiration for starting the these books? Um, you know, one of the small inspirations was uh conversations I've had with uh Carl Schrader when we sat down to write a short story together and he just kind of tossed out the idea of a completely melted North Polar ice cap and said, you know, what does that mean? And just trying to answer that question turned into a short story for us, but it just never left the back of my head. I wanted to continue exploring that environment and, you know, just seeing what it, what it did to the characters who were trying to navigate it as well. And also, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to write uh, techno thriller fun right now. I'm having fun with the, the sort of structure. I'm having fun with the characters and I'm just enjoying the, the kind of, uh, you know, the, the very tightly written, you know, 1970s, point A to point B kind of novels that used to be really kind of way more frequent than they are today. So then how do you, um, I guess then how do you see, um, you bring, you bring up the, I guess, um, the, the structure of novel writing from like the 1970s. So how do you, how do you feel that that has changed into the, the 2000, 2010s, uh, you know, compared to then? Sure. Well, you know, uh, the 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 bookstores and the chain bookstores, I think, and readers' preferences for the paper format have mm-hmm. created a situation where we have a lot of pressure on on writers to do like this ninety thousand to one hundred and ten thousand word novel because it fills up enough of the bookshelf with the spine out that if you can get a couple of them, a few of them up on the bookshelf, you stand out, you know, and it Mm -hmm. looks good. And a lot of readers also buy by the pound. I myself am guilty of that. I remember when I was, particularly when I was a teenager, you know, you kind of go browsing through the bookstore and be like, well, I can spend $5.99 for a book that's this thick, or I can spend $6.99 for a paperback that's like twice as big, you know. Um, And that puts a lot of pressure on, on readers to kind of, or on writers to kind of, you know, make bigger books. But one of the things that I found really interesting was that, you know, we've been slowly moved into this. It happened very gradually. And I was going through a bunch of, like, uh, John Gardner novels, the Travis McGee series, and realizing that they were, like, 50,000 words. And I kind of picked up a bunch of other books in my library. And this was, like, six or seven years ago. And I picked up a bunch of other books in my library, some science fiction classics and whatnot, and realized that there was a tremendous variety of novels that were anywhere from you know, 55,000 words all the way on up to, you know, 200. And it just, you know, there seemed to be quite an explosive variety of, of it. And 
you know, when I got involved in, in the early 2000s, it was very much like everyone was trying to write 90,000 words, whether they needed to or not. And I'd read so many books that were 90,000 words when they should have been 60 that it began to occur to me that I'd like to try and write, you know, some, some tighter, more compact novels. And that's one of the things I set out to do with these techno thrillers is try to write these very lean, you know, fast-moving vehicles. I see. So would you say that uh, your books or or some of the, you know, the 50,000-word books, is there a change of pace? Because it seems like for the books that are a bit larger, I don't know, for me, I read a lot, and there are some books that are just, they just move so slowly, and I find myself just trying to, like, skim through some of the stuff, and I feel bad, but I just want to get to the core part of the story. Do your stories, where they're a little bit smaller, tend to to have that change of pace to them? I'm kind of obsessed with cutting out. I, like, my what you just described is my nightmare for a reader. Like, if anyone mm-hmm. told me that they're reading my books and experiencing that, I'd be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel bad saying that. <laughs> It's uh, it's something I'm obsessed with. I, I you know I remember William Gibson writing you know uh, writing that when he wrote Neuromancer, you know he was just terrified that if at any point a reader could find an excuse to put the book down or be bored, and and he kind of mm-hmm. built the whole novel to to avoid that. And you know now he's doing some something very different. He's still an amazing author to read, but that approach that he had for Neuromancer really. Uh, when I when I got you know into wanting to do these techno thrillers, it was something I carried with me. I just kind of thought, I really want to write in such a way that, you know, if you get if you get into the book, you're just going to get spit out the other side with sort of a mm-hmm. how did that happen? And mm-hmm. I, I love it when readers kind of you know IM me or or not IM me but uh, DM me or or at me on on Twitter or email me and say like oh, my gosh, I was, you know, up late last night because I thought I'd started at 10 o'clock, and the next thing I know, I was finishing the whole thing. It's like a, a book people want to read in one sitting. I think there's there's something amazing whenever you can pull that off. Yeah, definitely. I I love that in a book. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, rare quality I indeed. That. I miss so that then, as a uh, reader, you know. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. That is it's hard it's hard to it's hard to find that sort of pacing you know with the market being the way that it is so how how do you um i guess how did you adapt a writing style then like I presume that when you first started writing, you probably weren't thinking in that mindset of let's just do point a to point b let's make this as concise as i can like how how hard was that to adapt to a new writing style it's uh less the writing style and more structure. And I tend to be a bit of a structure junkie anyway. So what I'm looking at is, you know, initially on, you know, the, the macro scale of the novel, which is how does this speed up and slow down in terms of the events and emotional pull through and, and the stakes for the characters. And also on a chapter by chapter level, you know, how does each chapter remain structured? How do, how do, how can I, rewrite it in such a way that the reader is just going to not want to put the book down in the middle of a chapter or at the end of a chapter, right? Um, How can I set up the structure of this book so that everyone is just kind of pulled through really, really, really nicely? On Mm -hmm. the line level, I'm not changing that much. I'm a little bit more sparse, a little bit more of a, you know, taking my inspiration from Hemingway, a more sort of Mm -hmm. like pared down, sort of writing style than than doing like a Faulkner. But um, 
you know, even even if you're using rich language, uh, you can still structure it on a on a sort of like paragraph or a you know uh, chapter sort of level that readers feel that they're getting just sucked through the story really quickly, and that's kind of what I focus on right now. It's kind of what I obsess with, and you know, I spend a lot of time looking at the beginnings and ends of chapters and trying to figure out like, is there a place in here where a write a reader can legitimately say, oh, this would be a great place to put the book down. And if there is, mm-hmm. I kill it. Kill it dead. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever find that difficult? Like, uh, is there some things that you kind of grow attached to and you think you run into that that dilemma where you have to do what's best for what you think the reader would, would like or, or what you want to keep in the book? Yeah, for these two books, it's been really tough because I've actually left a lot on the cutting floor. So there have been moments where, you know, as a writer, there's like a a shape to a a chapter that you really like, and you think, oh, wow, this brings everything full circle. I like the the artistic, you know, uh, uh, sort of feel of this chapter. But when I'm looking at, you know, could the reader put it down, I'll notice something, and I'll I'll just kind of go in there and and tweak and and set up the chapter so that it's, it's not... It's, it's got the momentum that they need to go into the next chapter, that being the more important thing. Um, but there's just been a lot of cool ideas and characters I've left on the table in order to kind of make these books what they are. And in Arctic Rising, in fact, Rue, who's the main character in Hurricane Fever, he was supposed to be a whole point-of-view character all all in and of himself. And mm-hmm. the idea was that it would go back and forth between them. But as I was writing it, you know, I started to realize that, A, that would almost double the size of the book, and repeat a lot of the same kind of things, you know, over and over mm-hmm. again. And B, um, the story was better served and could be made really compact and tight if I just focused on Annika, the the one point of view character that Arctic Rising is eventually told in, with Rue kind of coming in as a secondary character later on in the book. So, like, the more I looked at it, the more I realized that even though I really loved Rue as a point of view character, enough that I would come back to him in Hurricane Fever... It just wasn't really a smart, you know, it wasn't smart for the book itself to basically use him as a point of view character. So there are a lot of choices like that that you kind of have to go, oh, man, I'd really I'd really love to do this, but I think that this works better this way. Whether I'm right or not, I don't know. Certainly, I, I feel like it, it, it made for a tight book. Yeah, definitely. I see um, sometimes uh, some writers will have like a series of, three or four books and then they'll come back and they'll write like a 3.5 or a 4.5 and I wonder if maybe <laughs> they they went through the same thing and they decided, you know, I'm just going to give this character their own little mini book in between yeah. here. Yeah, you just, you know, you leave those things on the floor and I've left a lot of research and little things that I could do or little anecdotes that I could plug in and I've just kind of decided, you know, oh, you know, I'll just leave it in the file and maybe I can come back to it in another book and just kind of cross my fingers. But it would distract from, you know, mm-hmm. the the real strong momentum I have going here. So let's just leave it off. So then uh, with um, – we'll kind of switch gears here into the final part of the interview. Um, so with Hurricane Fever out of the way – I, I where do you where do we see sort of this 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 world you're building going next? I mean the you, the with the polar ice cap melting, um, you know the uh, the Caribbeans are pretty much going to be fading almost 
away. I, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case by the end of the book um, or by even the next book. I mean, but where do you see the, the characters and the world advancing to next? Well, uh, next I'm I'm toying with the idea of going down to Antarctica. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in terms of global warming and climate change, and and it opens up a lot of potential for conflict. And I think you know the novelist always looks at conflict and says, "Ooh, I can I can I can tell a story there." So I'm hoping to do a third book and make that about Antarctica. And that'll be kind of the direction. There'll be, you know, three books where it's, you know, you start at the north and go Arctic rising, and then you do the Caribbean for the hemisphere with hurricane mm-hmm. fever, and then finish it off with Antarctica. And that would make nice. a, a real nice triptych, I think. Yeah. Well, if you need any reference point, uh, Flagoon here can probably give you some. Yeah, it actually sounds like he's <laughs> heading down there. So are you uh, flight in through uh, McMurdo, or uh, are you going to go to the Kiwi base? Or have you I'm, even... I'm, I don't I don't have the resources to go down and visit, but oh. uh, I'll definitely be doing a lot of research. <laughs> well, Flagoon has been there personally, so maybe he can oh, give you some. Yeah. Ben was in the of Penguin uh, back in 2003. I was there for the uh, wow. the summer of 2003. It was uh, it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> it was very very cold. It was uh, really only, like. <laughs> That's the like coldest the, the summer I ever remembered. It was, yeah, it was a really cold summer. <laughs> and then we wonder why when we go to cons, he's sleeping with the air conditioner on full blast. And yeah. hey, when, when you go down and you do the red nose initiation, and you have to crawl through a trench that you dug in the ice, filled with water from the fire main in nothing but a pair of t-shirt and your long johns. Yeah, your definition of hot and cold. Greatly sway, greatly shifts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't have to do that. Mm. Wow, <laughs> it, it it was so cold, or at least my feet were so cold. I was walking up the brow, and it has like the perforations in there, so you it does you know even if it's wet, it, you don't slip on it. Yeah, I felt like I was wearing shoes. Mm. Wow, and I was barefoot. Oh, Ugh. oh my. Yep, could not could not feel <laughs> the grating. Does not does not sound like my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> it was only like it was only like twenty seconds, maybe a little bit more than that. But it was, yeah, it, it, it's one of those rare, rare times where it's like it's almost as if it how it was how it usually gets portrayed in the movies, where everything just kind of slows down and people actually talk in that slow mode. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So again, that's Flagoon at Dungeon Crawlers Radio. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so that is um, nuts. You know, this last winter, it was, mm-hmm. I think at some point, it got down to negative 20, negative 15 during that uh, polar vortex. And I went outside in a, in a t shirt just for a taste of, of what that was like, what that meant. You know, or it's cold enough where if you just tossed water into the air, it turned into ice. And, uh, you know, there was like a, uh, you know, foot-long icicle on the inside of my doorknob. You know, it was it was <laughs> madness. And that was that was my Antarctic expedition right there. I did, uh, you know, <laughs> 10 feet outside and 10 feet back inside. And for this Caribbean boy, that was enough. Yeah. yeah when we were, uh, when I was in Alaska during the winters, it would get down to about... 
negative 30, negative 60. And one thing I've found out is that neg- like after you get past, like say, negative 15, it all just feels the same. Like negative 60 <laughs> does not feel any colder than – or negative 20 does not feel any colder than like negative 60. Yeah, because as soon as you step out, everything goes numb anyhow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was <sighs> it was intense. It was ridiculous, and uh, I I I'm not built for that. You know, just regular Ohio winters are tough enough for me. It's it's <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, inconceivable for me spending a lot of time somewhere like that. Oh, <sighs> Makes me shiver just even thinking about uh, that. Ugh. Makes me actually feel kind of nice. Oh, she's feeling homesick now. We need to change the subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So We're all like starting to shiver. Because <sighs> it's on its way. So Tobias said, um, where um, can the book be found? Yes. I'm guessing uh, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, all the usual places. Uh, indie bookstores of your choosing and maybe even some chains. I, you know, if you're lucky. Um, but, yeah, just about anywhere you buy books, it's uh, out from Tor Books. It's called Hurricane Fever, and it came out just, just recently. And is there an audiobook for it as well? Uh, we're working on the audiobook right now. So I don't, oh, have, uh, I don't have a link I can give you, but uh, I, okay. you know, have, I've been listening to it go through the process of becoming an audiobook, which is always very fun. Nice. And Arctic Rising is already out in paperback now, right? That's correct, yes. All right. So if you haven't picked up either of these books, I mean, Arctic Rising is a great book to pick up, uh, but this one is even Dad, better. I'm holding a copy of it right there. Yeah, I'm holding a copy in my hand. So we're actually going to be giving a couple of copies to some of our lucky listeners tonight. So now we got to figure all out right, how we're right. going to do this. But uh, no, the, I mean, it's a simplistic cover. I mean, it's not you know super fancy, but just seeing the symbol on there and kind of the lines, perf- you know, Zipping off across that and kind of the, I, I guess it's a Caribbean view on there with yeah. the red cover. You're just like, what? It just kind of gives you a little bit of a chill. My my interest is uh, thoroughly perked. Yeah, I mean, just looking at that, and it, it, you're right. It is not a huge book, so you can pick this up, and it's not going to be like this daunting task. This is something you could probably easily read in a week, if not faster. In a day. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to, you'll probably burn in through a day. Hours. Yeah. My goal is to keep you up all night with a good read. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Dang it. I love those books. I, see, that's why I'm afraid to start reading it, because I'm going to start reading it now, and then next thing I know, oh, crap, i got to go to work tomorrow morning, and then I'm going to be a zombie. Yeah. But I have the weekend. And that's when I win. That's uh, when I win. Yes, that's right. that is when you win. <laughs> You're already winning now because I'm really tempted. So is there going to be a third installment? Yes. Yep. Did, okay. Remember he mentioned the Arctic? Oh, right. Yep, the yeah. Oh, right. The okay. Antarctic. Antarctic. The Antarctic. Excuse me. The Antarctic. When can we... Ex- did you already say when we could expect that? Zakora was succumbing to narcolepsy. Apparently, <laughs> I saw No, I really thought I was listening, but I... I had one of those zombie yeah, nights. Book, um, yeah, we have to. I have to finish writing it first, and then once it, once it oh. gets in the schedule, we'll see we'll see where where things are going. So, I mean, I guess I could say, for those who are curious, I, I do have like a newsletter on my website at tobiasbuckel dot com, and if you sign up for the newsletter, basically, what I use it for is to let you know whenever something new is out that you might be possibly interested in buying. It's fairly low volume, in fact, 
you know, uh, many friends of mine who are much smarter marketers and authors than I am have taken me to task because, you know, I, I get the, I send out messages, you know, once a year sometimes if I'm not paying attention. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I have a new book out, you know. Um, yeah. So it is very low volume, and I basically use it to say, like, here's an anthology with a story of mine out. Here's a, here's a new book. Here's a new thing, object that you might be interested in. And that's always the best way to keep up with what's going on. Or you know, hang out at my website, which usually, you know, has all the, all the, all the fun details. Okay. Nice. That's actually, that's what she meant to ask was how could we yeah. find out about when the third book <laughs> yeah, is going there you go. So, um, besides, besides your website, do you have any other uh, social media sites that we could follow you at? And You've got Twitter. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Let um, our listeners know. Talked on Twitter. Uh, I am Tobias Bakel, and I do believe you guys just tweeted that you're talking to me right now, so people should yep, be able yeah. to find you if they're followers of the show. And um, that's about it. Uh, I, I, you know, used to be on Facebook, but I decided to nuke that in favor of Twitter and my website because it's just uh, I only have so many hours in the day, and I just have to yeah. kind of pick and choose one thing. And so Twitter is it. I'm like, all right, Twitter's going to be it. I like Twitter the best. It fits within my sort of, you know, workflow the best. It doesn't distract me. I like it. We'll go with Twitter. And I've avoided Tumblr and Facebook and, and you know, everything else. And I know that, you know, there are lots of people who are using those services, and I have nothing against them. I just picked the one that happened to be my favorite and decided to just, you know, throw my hands up at the rest so that I could write more. So as a result, we get more fiction so i think awesome. everyone wins in the end <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just going to say this to everyone if you're complaining he's not on facebook there you go who cares you're getting more books yes. <laughs> you have a choice of awesome books or facebook posts i'm going for awesome books awesome or you could books. have him yeah. talk about his breakfast yes i would much rather have books Alternatively, this is what i had for breakfast like front me money on facebook like you know i could i could you know, work it into the workflow. But, you know, you'd have to pay me what I'm getting paid for writing. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, before you uh, head down to uh, sunny slash rainy Bermuda, Bermuda, Bermuda. are you going to be making any appearances, any uh, bookstores, doing any signings, or any any last last of the year conventions that you're going to be making an appearance at? You know, uh, I I finished up a fairy season, so I'm I'm pretty much done with all of that. Uh, I did, you know, uh, a small book tour of the West Coast. I went to London and did an appearance there. I spent some time in Spain, you know, so I did the whole the whole thing and uh, another uh, signing and some signings nearby locally. And now I'm kind of I think I'm done for this for this project. I'm I'm toying with the idea of going to World Fantasy, you know, later, but I'm still not sure. So it depends on how much work I get done over the next uh, month and a half. You know, there's a there's another book deadline that's coming up real close. I need to need to kind of stick the landing on that. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's get you get you some more books out there, and uh, just let's yeah get get this book. Yes. Go out, <laughs> run out, go buy it. A couple of you might even be able to get a free tonight. But uh, the rest of you, go buy it. Because right. it's an awesome book. One. And this is to support the Tobias Still Needs Food Fund. <laughs> <laughs> and you too I can catch twins. They're going to be going to college one day. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. The yeah. Tobias Kids College Fund. Yeah, there there go. we go. There you go. Because everyone wants to support a child. <laughs> uh, the things we do. They're going to college. Yes, they're going to college. They're going to college. They're getting a higher education. Yes. Good. All right. Well, thank you, as always, for coming on the show. Sorry about the time mix-up. Sorry about this weird Skype fuba. But uh, it's always it's always a pleasure having you on the it show. And yep. Yeah, it did. And this, I, oh man, I j- just the book itself is awesome. The theme, uh, just. I just keep writing, you know, and we'd love to have oh, you back at the next guys. one. And, uh, you know, let us know when anything else comes and we'll be more than happy to promote it and throw it up on the face, our, our social media pages and have you come back anytime. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much for having me on just about the, uh, time snafus. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No you're problem. very welcome. Anytime to well, have a great night and, uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. Take care. Bye. 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 All right. Oh man! So, uh, author, world traveler, and pretty much um, I international to... spy. <laughs> yeah, international yeah. spy. There you go. If, <laughs> Tobias uh, McKell, everyone. If the Cultural Center of Ireland is listening, I would love to be your writer in residence for yeah. the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, just throwing that out there, or you know, um, pretty much anywhere else too. Yeah. So you I get Ireland, so. I'll take Scotland. Okay. Oh no, I've already okay. got the land in Scotland. So what? So, okay. so well, you, you, well, you've already got. How about Isle of Man? <laughs> I want to go. I'll to take Egypt. Isle of Man. Egypt. Yeah. I'd you, also you take could fit. Man. You could fit in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for it's really hot there. That's okay. You good? You're cool with it? All right. Ooh, ooh. See, I know, uh, I know of a very small demographic, but it's like one of the largest continents. You should go to Greenland. Antarctica. <laughs> if you need a writer, writer, there you go. Actually, I, I don't really, think your your wife's going to be happy about that one. Oh, she'll. I'll just say that we're just moving so far north, we're going to be south. All right. <laughs> I'd go. I'd go to Iceland too. Iceland. Well, see, the problem with Iceland is all green. Well, yeah, and, and warm. It's like every every picture that somebody posts online that's uh-huh. like, "Oh man, look at this! This is oh, awesome for my fantasy so book." It comes from Iceland. Iceland. Mm. So yeah, gotta be, I'd, I'd gotta go, go there. there. Bucket list. Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but true. Someday I'm gonna have a Siberian tiger sanctuary in Siberia. Just saying. An actual Siberia. Yeah, I am. I love that. But, there, but there's Siberia. like nothing out there. I know. Oh, or that that's the point. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're safe because there's nothing around. Okay. Just and any random straggler that comes by, you just throw them in the Siberian tiger pit. And <laughs> it works, right? What You're random? safe. They're fed. It is you want to know what? Everyone wins. That would right? be like the most awesome guard dog. Can you imagine, yeah. like, some thief breaking into your house because everything's unlocked. You know, you leave your doors open and everything like that, and he's just like, "What the crap?" In, and he sees all these, the, all of these. Dog. They had this huge, yeah. bloody tangled tiger. And he turns the corner, and the tiger just turns, oh, you know, walks around. Yeah. What in the heck? But the shopkeeper and his sons were a different story altogether. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. That's the business, really. Nice. <laughs> Ozzy got the M&M's. I keep a band on stage and did a great show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna play. We're gonna play a quick song, uh, and then we will be right back because we've got some Gamerforge stuff to talk about. That's right. We got the rest of the geek news that probably doesn't have anything to do with Destiny. Yes, yes. we have a few. We we have a few minutes. We can only do about maybe four minutes, four or five minutes of that. So. Okay. 
Um, we will return <laughs> we'll be right back, just because everyone. we're running out of time. That's right. So we'll be back Join after the Geek Revolution, me, everyone. You. Hashtag DCR. Dungeon Call Radio. Pikachu. All right, we're back. And Hi. welcome. Yes, it was we're that back. fast. I told you it was Hello. a fast break. It's not my fault everyone else is gone. <laughs> we're here. We're here. We are here. We got this. Holy we got God. no Flagoon, we got no Joe, but we can still go on. 
They'll be back. So who has some geek news? <laughs> well, <laughs> they were the only ones that had geek news. No, no, no. I have something. Oh, there you go. Yes. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. My phone died, so I can't go into a lot of detail now. Yay for phones dying. I know. So I'll post it up on uh, the Facebook page when I get home. All right. But I so. You know the giant squids and the colossal squids how we're like, we know they exist, but we've never been able to actually see one, like, whole. We've only found bits and pieces of them. Correct. We found them dead. Well, they have caught one. They caught a a, a colossus squid. Okay. And they kept it on ice for eight months. Okay. And they just released the video. They actually did a live stream of the dissection of the squid. And it's three hours long, so... If you want to watch it. I don't know why. It, but it's a squid. It's just bigger. It's a colo- it's, this is like It's still a squid. It's that no is, different than a smaller squid. They're so cool. Yeah, man. Those, no, they're cool. Like ancient creatures. Monsters. Well, like what alligators were around when dinosaurs were, and so were sharks. But, yeah, but we're, talking we're not like... like but they, they haven't grown 50 million times larger. Well, no. I mean, the colossal squids and that, that's what were, you know, Krakens and stuff like that. The the tails from those came from. And there used to be lots of them, and I'm sure they were hunted. Right. But it's just, it's a squid. I don't know. I find it really interesting. I'm probably going to watch it. Did they find, like, a whale inside of it or something? I don't know. That'd be awesome. The, The article that I found was really brief, actually, so... Now if they if now if they find one of those gigantic sharks that used to be around when the dinosaurs were around that would be cool. Oh whatever dude, they, it's just a shark. That are as big as a ship. Then I'd start worrying about going into the ocean. It's, it's just a shark. Yeah. It Don't is worry. just a shark. It's just a shark. It is. <laughs> the squid stay away. They stay in the deep ocean because of the pressure. You know, otherwise it kills them. So yeah. that's why we haven't found very many cuz they stay down in there. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'll post it up on the Facebook page. If anyone wants to watch a live stream, of, well, technically it won't be live anymore, but three-hour stream of a dissection of the colossal squid. A live can. recorded stream. That's like fresh frozen, right? A live recorded stream. <laughs> yeah. 100% juice from concentrate. <laughs> oh, apparently, excuse me, let me correct that. Sharks have been around since before the dinosaurs. Bam, take that, T-Rex. Yeah. Oh, we're actually live. Wow. Yeah, we've been alive for a while. I came back from the bathroom and... He played like half a song. I only played one song. I said it was, was going to be fast. Yeah, you said, when you said a song, yeah. you meant a, a song. song. You put, you, I think you picked the shortest song out there, too. No, it was over three minutes. Oh, okay. So you had some time. Oh, okay, good, good. Yes. So, this is, so uh, prehistoric sharks were over 80 feet long. It's almost as big as a basketball court. That's just that's crazy. I would never want to go into murder fish. But they were so big they probably wouldn't actually eat. Chris Hardwick. Yeah, the megalodon. I would I would not even want to go into the ocean if those things were still swimming around. Well, maybe they are. The good thing is you wouldn't die from shark bite. It would probably just swallow. It would just swallow you whole. Yeah, and then you drown. And then you just slowly you'd be slowly digested over a thousand years. You you could be like you know. Uh, Geppetto. Unless you're yeah. Boba Fett, you, then yeah, you, you die light because a fire of fans. In the belly or then you live because of fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tell people I got bit by a shark, actually. I have this, like, array of scars on my arm from a yeah. car accident I was in. And it totally looked like a shark bite for a while. It doesn't yeah. really anymore, but... Yeah. Wow. I used to tell people I got, I got bit, bit by a shark. <laughs> I punched it in the nose and it swam away. <laughs> yeah, I'm like not Laura tough. Crocked. She did that once in one yeah. of her videos. Yeah, and then they became friends. Well, yeah. technically, if you hit the uh, shark in the nose, it 
that's its most sense. That's where all of its nerve endings end. Mm-hmm. So you can actually paralyze it if punch you grab it. Punch the shark. Yeah, so yeah. punch the shark in the nose. Or Just, stick it in the gills like a dolphin would. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything else? Otherwise, we're moving on so to Gamer Forge. Who likes Matt Smith? I do. Who I likes do. old movies? I do. Well, uh, Matt Smith has been announced that he is going to join the cast of Pride and Prejudice <gasps> and Zombies. What? What? Yes! yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so, so excited right now. Did, since they did that uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, Vampire Hunter, they're, do, they're now doing the uh, the follow-up to that, which was Pride and Prejudice so and Zombies. Be... And Matt Smith has been well, has uh, announced that he has joined the cast of that And the best part show. about this is this Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is pretty much about... Zombie killing cheerleaders. Wow. Yeah. I also it's like a I'm samurai really, fight, like Kill I'm Bill. Really, yeah. I love Matt, Matt Smith. I've got a big crush on him, actually. I have seen Matt Smith was in a, another uh, movie called Womb with uh, Ava Green. I saw the preview mm-hmm. for that. It was weird. It looks really... Did you watch the actual movie or just... Yeah, I watched not. the movie. It's weird. He is not typical Matt Smith you're used to seeing. I know. It's just it really it weird because so you don't want to watch it. It's right. it's. I won't say it on air, but it's messed up. <laughs> I watched a really messed up movie. Well, no, 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 no. Interested. We'll talk about it off air, but it's messed up and it's not worth watching. Okay. <laughs> Does it involve yeah. bestiality? No. No. It's not that messed up. Okay. No, it's messed up. I have seen worse. Can we just talk, then, mention the premise? No. It's not that bad. Yes, it is. All right. Okay. Should we, should we continue right. on since yeah. we're we're yes. really stuck? So we'll move on. Here. Sorry. All right. So let's go to the Gamer Forge because we have three Gamer Forges to talk about. Gamer Forge. For oh, thirty minutes to talk about it. We already talked about Amazon, right? We talked yep. about Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah, we, Audible. We do need to talk about Audible. So this uh, last half of the uh, or the last uh, quarter of the uh, show is going to be brought to you by Audible.com. So if you want to get a free audio book, that is right, free audio book. Head to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio, or even easier, click the little Audible link on the sidebar, probably right around the Amazon uh, link, and just sign up today. It doesn't cost you anything. You get your free book, and it's not like you know your selection of uh, Fifty Shades of Yellow or uh, something about sparkly vampires. You literally get to pick from thousands of books. And it is yours for free to have and to hold, to honor and to cherish, and that sort and the others. If you don't want to uh, stay a member, you can quit any time. Whatever book you picked up is yours to listen to for time and eternity. And it doesn't cost you a thing. Audible. They're books that professionals read. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. That was really good. With that said, it is time for Gamer Forge. Someone want to uh, let everyone know what the Gamer Forge is? The Gamer Forge, well, it's a little segment of the show that we like to devote towards you, the gamers, who are maybe not necessarily, um, who may have encountered situations that you're not sure what to do, or maybe the rules aren't very clear or specific, or maybe it's something that's like a moral conundrum, and something that the book absolutely would not cover. Well, that's what we're here for, to help you discover solutions that you might not have thought about on your own. So uh, anytime you have questions that you want to submit to the five of us, or, uh, well, really just the five of us, that's all there is now, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just uh, email us at info at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com, or shoot us questions on our Facebook. Just look up Dungeon Crawlers Radio. 
We're also on the, that Twitter thingamabob that you guys keep talking about. So Twitter! Would, would one example be, could our listeners email us and say, hey, we just started a new campaign, and there are three children playing in this campaign. How do is, we control that? <laughs> is it a good idea to have kids playing? I think I think I found a great situ a great uh, way to take care of that. I got them killed. There you go. Yep. There you go. Yes. Instant death. I will suggest tragedy, this. Sir, your mother is dead. If you're well, playing with a full group of adults, do not add children. Well, to answer that question, Drew, <laughs> in the words of Snoop Dogg, "Oh, cheesy. Oh, cheesy. All righty. <laughs> So uh, let's jump into the first question from Roger. Hello, Roger. Welcome to the In D&D 5th Edition, yes. do my modifiers go up when I level up, and how and why? And why? Are we? Well, uh, it's pretty simple. You want your modifiers to go up so that you get better. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of getting experience if you never... I'm a level sure. 20 person. I mean... And hit points. I mean, I can understand in some systems, say, like uh, uh, the Marvel system that Margaret Weiss put out, you know, you are, at, you are a superhero. You are at your peak, top physical condition. Mm-hmm. You're really not going to get any more super than that. So it made sense that, you know, you didn't level up in traditional senses. Mm-hmm. But in D&D, yeah, you do. So it does go up by your proficiency bonus goes up. And that's what increases the mm-hmm. skills and your attack modifiers. It, correct. Yes. Yeah, I, I think there's still there's probably still a lot of people that are holding on to 3.5 rules. Yeah, where you have say. the ranks. You and have your base attack bonus, and you have your skill points that you mm-hmm. invest. Uh, all, again, all of that's kind of gone away with 5th edition. You have your proficiency bonus, which you add into anything that you're proficient at doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the stats on top of that, or any you know like magical modifiers or anything. So proficiency bonus scales with level. Um, it's not a one for one though. It's I mean it's kind of staggered, right? It goes yeah, through a, a numerical sequence. Yeah, two, two, three, 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 something like well, that. Well, and yeah. not only that, you also get ability modifiers, which allow your ability yeah, and those will adjust to go as up, your will, attributes adjust. Yeah, so so your modifiers will uh, adjust, and I believe some of the feet packages also. Yep. I'm, give I'm actually you kind of worried. Proficiencies. I think, I think mm-hmm. Blizzard's kind of made leveling up and character creation and doing that so simple they might have inadvertently <laughs> made our job obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, but I, it, it is really simple. I don't normally, I, I usually stick with the very easy classes to, to put together. Like the hardest thing I will do is a bard. Yeah. But uh, I'm rolling a warlock just for, just for fits and giggles. Because yeah. you can. Because and they're reasons. awesome. No, it's really yeah, simple. It's really simple mm-hmm. to uh, just, you know, you, you open up the book, you open up to whatever class you want to do, and you're like, this is what I need to do, and you just start doing it. Well, yeah. and the one thing I do like with the proficiency bonus and you don't have the ranks anymore is you're not getting massively strong super fast. You can't, like, sink everything into one thing, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I can pickpocket like no other. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it's it's a slow progression, but not only that... Everything is lethal, so it really puts in uh, a sense of dread, and you really want to think on what you're doing yeah. because yeah. you know you can fail, yeah. you can die. No more and than it's kicking not, the door crap. Yeah, it's not like I kick down the door. You know, it's like don't worry, you, I've got you hear the sounds points. of goblins. I rush in screaming and yelling. <laughs> uh, you have one round of advantage, and then they gang up on you, and you're dead. Critical hit, you're dead. I mean, and this is goblins. Patrick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it, it. I like the fact. I mean, even you know, everyone's a little bit more wary now with yeah. this system, but at the same time, 
it's simple. You can get a character out really quick. So if your character mm-hmm. dies, you can be back in the action really fast. Yeah, if you know what you're doing. Yeah, you yeah. can be back in half an hour. Yep. Ready you know, to rock and roll. Um, you know, the the background really lends out. But, I mean, really simple here is, you know, to to answer you, Roger, it's your modifiers go up when you level up. You get that yeah. proficiency bonus. No matter what class you yep. are, it you, goes up at a static rate. There are a couple other things that will modify the, those. Uh, like you get an ability uh, bonus to go up, but it's really because your character is getting stronger, getting smarter, and mm-hmm. getting more uh, wise in the ways of the world out there. Well, yeah, and I think you na- I, I think you nailed it right on the head that you know in in three five it was like if you were in a situation, um, oh man, do you think you could sneak into this room? It, it would kind of be like no, but next level I could, right? Oh yeah. You dump eight skill points into it when uh-huh. you level up, and now you're awesome <laughs> at it. So you're exactly right. Now it's like, okay, you're a rogue. You're proficient at, like, stealthy things. But you will, as the proficiency bonus increases throughout the levels, get better at it. It's just going to be a slower increase yeah. in that, which is significantly more realistic oh, uh, yeah. in, in terms of that. And <laughs> I, I like a little bit of realism in, in my role playing. I like making sure that the progression through the levels Make sense to what you're doing as a character, and the proficiency bonus just nails it. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. It made no sense. I'm I'm mucking through a dungeon. I haven't seen a lock in, you know, <laughs> the last two levels of this cave. But suddenly, I defeat this ogre, and I can pick locks like the genius <laughs> wizard I am. Yeah. You know, it's like I've been given the skeleton key of genies. It it made no sense. Because yeah, you could sink everything in there, and now you're like, bam! I'm picking everything. Yeah, it's like instantly great. Yeah, but I haven't touched a lock in like years. Sure. But yeah. So okay, uh, let's move on to the next one. Great question, Roger. No, that was a great question. Unfortunately, that went really fast. Uh, Joe writes in. I did. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the Gamer Forge. Unless you're Joseph Twenty Two at something. No. Uh, Yeah. He's a guy Uh, named Joseph Twenty Two. What is a (laughs) what is a slam attack? Any number of monsters in D&D 5th and previous editions, uh, but mainly 5th edition is my concern, have the attack labeled Slam. What descriptively does this kind of attack uh, entail? For example, doppelgangers have a Slam attack. Does this mean the doppelganger body slams uh, the character rugby style? I would be happy to have an answer based on a reference from a previous edition or the 5th edition. So, and uh, why I was speaking this, Drew... Leaned over, grabbed his backpack, and yanked out his month's, his player's handbook. Well, a, a slam attack can actually be... Um, there's a lot of things that kind of fit under oh, yeah. that banner. It's sort of it's more like a generic attack. Well, whereas, it, it, like, it could be a rugby-style attack. It, it could be. It could be. Such as, a, such as a shoulder charge or yeah. the, in, the uh, famous Heisman you know, yeah. pose. You know, it could uh, be a hockey know. player checking someone into the board. Yes, it could also uh, be that. Um, it's, I mean, really, though, a... Uh, the one that I've sort of seen the most, mm-hmm. although this, of course, is not the only one, but a slam attack can, can be described as anything from either flailing your arms around wildly without any kind of, um, without any kind of form, any kind of a martial arts form, to uh, things like wild haymakers and just clubbing hands over the back of the head. Yeah. So a, a, a slam attack is... <laughs> a slam attack is not... Um, not a not necessarily a set thing. 
There's many, many things like slam attack can be. They could also hit you with mad rhymes like slam. I know you're trying to look for this, but this book True. is technically not out, oh, so that's yeah. why it's not on the so, shelves. Yeah, it's not so. on the shelves at all at the store today ever. But they but, have them uh, over there. So but I'm Onyx, yeah, Onyx had that one pretty much <laughs> nailed. They, so, they were ahead of the game on that so one. So cue up your gaming music with a little bit of Onyx so that when the <laughs> doppelganger slams you, you can drop the beat. I would, oh. I would probably, yes, yeah, so it's, it's something more along the lines of a person's, like, smashing something over on top of it. So I, I, as far as, like, gameplay-wise, I think the only thing that really affect would be, like, uh, you know, if, if it's, like, a, a critical hit. You know, instead of, you know, chopping off whatever appendage, you'll just be smashing you into the ground. Yeah, so under slam, it just says a melee weapon attack, uh, plus six to hit, reach of five feet, one target, one d six plus four bludgeoning damage. So, it, so yeah. really, it it they're leaving it a loose yeah. er, interpretation for you to decide. So I in mean, the words when of I the, hear uh, slam, you know, I I think of the doppelganger picking him up and slamming it against the wall yeah. or slamming it into an object. Um, I, I they should call of, it pummeling. I, I think yeah. of a, like a giant picking a person up and slamming them on the ground. Well, maybe, you know, uh, that too. Or, you know, or you know, if it's say it's a dragon, they're slamming, hitting it with the tail, and that's a little bit different slam, but it's still kind of a slam type, even though that's a, considered a tail attack. But you know, it's literally, a, you know, Bruner. If you read any of the Dritz book, he loves to you know slam them with the shield that's kind of a shield rush but it's mm-hmm. still a type of slam attack yeah. in a way hmm. I know it's a little bit different sure. it's called shield rush but yeah. um, I really think ultimately it just comes to simple the creature is grabbing a hold of something and slamming it into an object a wall uh, something that won't give maybe or may give but still continues on. Maybe they're going to suplex your character. That's right. I was going to say, in the words of uh, the American Dream, Dust the Road, <laughs> it, could be, it could be certified as clubbering with the fistesses. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it can be. That, that brought that. back some Gen Con scary moments. Man, I love that. <laughs> right Joey there. Bojangles, ladies and gentlemen. Clubbering with the fistesses. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, does, does that mean I get to be I get to be candy again, sugar? Oh my gosh, that <laughs> that is the voice. Oh, that is the voice he used. I I can't do it unless I hear Joey Bojangles. It's, I, I guess I guess that that's what happens when you're the prostitute yep. and the pimp. <laughs> well, that is that's kind of how I did the one of the voice. I was channeling Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> Oh, good oh, right. weird times that was. I, I think we, I think <laughs> so, we, I think we literally slammed that one out of the park. We yeah. did. We are like, like moving at light speed because we still have like twenty three like minutes. That's okay. Edition, we can ask. Wizards kind of screwed us over because fifth edition made it so easy. We we, we can't it, we, we we can't <laughs> we can't sit and we can talk about this weekend if we have. I know, All right. I was just gonna. So say. we have Kenneth writing in. Hello, oh, Kenneth. R D M has a PC. Ooh. And not a Mac? How do we stop going to the Boo. PC for answers because there. the DM knows everything? Everyone yeah. in our party is new to tabletop gaming, and it's our DM's first time DMing. Sure. Our story is we are being led across the country to a city and being led uh, by uh, our DM's PC. The PC has traveled the path we are on and is returning to his home city. We often... Uh, he often gives us puzzles or things that we're supposed to be figuring out on our own. Unfortunately, the group has gotten into the habit of just asking, Hey, DM's PC, what should we do or where do we go? 
Last session, our DM came up with, I didn't come this way. So even though he is leading us, he wasn't uh, obligated to walk us through everything. Any advice for us as a group or our DM? He isn't using his DM knowledge to give his uh, character an unfair advantage. I wasn't aware of the term GMPC, and an editor added that uh, to a tag when I asked a question on a forum board. So... That's a how really we, good question. This is actually a good question. Okay, so, so he wants to know how he can figure out what to do next? Well, I, they, I think they, he just wants to know how the group can How the group control. can move, kind okay. of gain control of the story without relying on the crutch that the DM has created. Now, okay. granted, it's the first time for everyone. Sure, yeah. sure. And there's, the DM hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, but, but the time they, has come to take the training wheels off. Correct. Yeah. That is what's... I, that's what's happened here. Sure, and, and I'm a huge and I'm a huge proponent of that. Yeah, so and if it's not the scenario where it's not time to take the training wheels off, it needs to quickly become the time to oh, take the training wheels off. Oh, I think it, it definitely Probably. does. Yeah, if they're asking a question like this, yeah, yeah. Uh, the time is once when you want them. to think that think that you're ready, then you know, be ready. You know, I, you, you kind of have to own up to your own mistakes and say, you know, we're at a path that goes left and right, and you go right, and it leads you into a dungeon lair. You know what? We we picked right. We got to own it. We got to take it, and this is ours. Well, it, it really it, yeah. it sounds like it's even worse than that. It's every move they're asking. So what I I honestly think is an event has to happen where this character dies. Yeah. Or yeah. or yeah. just goes, just leaves. Or yeah. if if uh, if the uh, it's Joseph, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. If, if Joseph, no, no, this is Kenneth. Kenneth. Oh, Excuse me, Kenneth. Oh, sorry. Kenneth. Joseph was the last if one. Kenneth feels that he's ready to take the reins and start, you know. You know, trying to you know be the leader, or you know, start going, you know, not not letting the uh, the DM kind of handhold him a long way. You know, be the one to be like, I think we should go this way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he you could know. definitely do that. Take take the lead. You know, don't be afraid to uh, to be the leader. You know, you might be wrong, but you know what? You what, pick the direction. What yeah. are you gonna do? What, what's gonna happen? Your Unfortunately, gonna die, hopefully he's not a wizard. Have but re-roll a new uh-huh. character, yeah. which sure. doesn't take that long. No, yeah. it doesn't. Um, and, and you're totally right. It sounds like the group has kind of shifted things around. This is his first time DMing the game, mm-hmm. and, and typically when you have a new group and you start a new game, the group naturally goes through and figures out a pecking order of like who's going to be the natural leader, who's going to be yeah. the primary character, and so it sounds yeah. like it's been this guy because. For for a large extent, no one's like, wanted to step up. Well, yeah, maybe they just haven't figured it out until now, and it sounds like Kenneth is maybe figuring out, hey, this is what my character wants to do. My character wants to take control, and and they're getting away from like this Deus Ex Machina thing mm-hmm. where the the DM is just kind of info dumping, like, oh, and we come to this new place, and I've got a half an hour spiel about this new place because yeah. my character's been there, um, which is it, it's acceptable at some points, but um, you know, I mean, it, there could be a lot of things you. Uh, Kenneth, if you want to take control of this, shiv him in the middle of the night, and that will end your problems. <laughs> unless you're lawful good, then don't oh, do yeah. that. Well, if you're lawful good, unless they're, you're looking to go through an alignment shift. They're following this <laughs> path. They're heading someone? back to this yeah. nice hometown. Yeah. You know, let them stay there with, with you for the time being. Let them handhold for a little bit. Try to try to release a little bit. Be like, oh, so we're kind of lost right now? All right. Let me, as the ranger, try to divine where we're at and get us yep. in the right direction again. Yep. You know, let him be there, and then as soon as you get back to the town, kick him to the curb. Yeah. Be well, like, yeah. hey, thank you, Gothor, or, uh, but uh, I, I see you've got your uh, your wife and your 16 children. Uh, I'm I'm using uh, Revan <laughs> as a uh, template for this one. His brood. <laughs> your, your, uh, 
this hive. Planned. And uh, you know what? We're going to go off and we're going to go do our own thing. If you've got anything else, you know, we'll be back in town sometime eventually. And if you got something else or some, you know, other thing that needs to be saved, and just let us know. We'll take care of it ourselves. I yeah. know of a bird that's going to be dying soon. Yeah. <laughs> See, Don't worry. So there's, there's, there's no reason then. That there's no reason, Kenneth, then that this this sort of uh, 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 this relationship, this dichotomy between the GNPC and the rest of the yeah. players can't end on an amicable, amicable note. Well, there's a couple options I mean, that I'm seeing as a DM myself. Yeah. Um, the DM can fast... You know, I don't know how much time he's pr- thought that they're going to be out in this wilderness. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the city. Nobody, like, nobody likes yeah. a full yeah. session of walking through you know, the woods. They right? get to the yeah. city, he can depart... And then they can move on with their story, and then we, they don't have to worry about the guide anymore. Yeah, that's that's a well, really good way. That, no one dies. Yeah, well, that has the added benefit, though. Like thinking in the long term, though, is that that does establish that one, the world as as it's been built, mm-hmm. does move on. Yes, that there are some there, there are some things that will remain there and not just mm-hmm. be taken from you Correct. and killed, sure. but that there is something that you earned or that was there and will still be there. Mm-hmm. In, in the future. And so that's that that's kind of a probably the best possible way to go yeah. is to just, you know, the next time you're in town, just have them just, yeah, part ways yeah. with them on a good note. And um, just but and then and every once in a while, just remind them, hey, this, per, you know, this this GNPC is she's still there. He's yeah. doing things. He's, you know, still around, you know uh, another option. If you want to bre- keep them on. Yeah, keep them on. But, you know, see if the, uh, you know, tell the DM to kind of, you know, keep his character is just kind of their support. You know, we're we we need a we need a healer, so you know we'll hire out. We'll you know he's a healer, so we'll we'll use him mm-hmm. to just be a healer. But that's all we're using him for when it comes to you know saying which direction we're going to go to, you know saying what town we're going to go to, which lever am I going to pull? That's going to be up to us as the players. Yeah, I mean another option is you know that I'm thinking of is if they have part of the storyline is them being in that wilderness. Maybe you know maybe a cur- uh, a messenger comes racing up on horseback and has an urgent message for him, you know, maybe his brother or his father or someone that's, you know, really important, his, you know, needs him or is dying mm-hmm. and so he has to rush off, you know, and he leaves a map. Yeah. He, you know, leaves a map for the guy, for the group to, to follow and whether they follow it accurately or not is completely up to them. Yeah. Whether they lose now, it or something like that. One thing that might be coming, that might be happening, which I just barely thought of, is maybe it's more along the lines of the DM's not really. Yeah. He he still wants to he still wants to play a character. Still wants to play a character in the group. Yeah. He still yeah. wants to play a role in the actual party. And they're having a he's having to, he's having his own issues. Well, that, of yeah. Parting, which you're just gonna have to you know, after the after the game game night. Take him aside, say, you know, hey, Johnny, or whoever your name is, um, you know, could we possibly, you know, I think I think we've developed ourselves as players and developed our characters enough that we can go forward without the crutch anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, no, go ahead. I was going to say, from my experience, as um, Revan being our DM, he gets to play lots of characters. Oh, yeah. You can have so much fun as a DM. I didn't realize, like, I, I kind of viewed being a DM as kind of like a being on the sidelines. It depends on how you do it. Yeah. So, you know, Some people in the very beginning, in the very cool. beginning, I can see where, you know, you've played. You've been a player, and now you've got yeah. this daunting role, and you kind of still want to play in that sandbox. Mm-hmm. But you haven't found the, that happy switch of, you know, 
I don't have to be playing with this group because I'm playing the king, I'm playing the yeah, evil yeah. wizard, I'm playing the monsters. And you can add in your own personality or or each individual personality, mm-hmm. and you can really you know, create a fun story. But I, it really takes a unique type of person yeah. because there are some people that I've known, that Flagoon's known, that have tried running games, and they can't find that sweet spot, and they mm-hmm. still try to put... They, you know, they keep bringing that same character back over and over. Oh, even I'm though bringing, yeah. I'm bringing my character back, so here's well, here's even though John, we've killed that NPC twenty that, like, times, the, you know, the last time we fought him, we chopped off his head, incinerated his body, threw his head into a volcano, and yet he still comes yeah. back. Well, he's but, immune to fire, so, so let's, yeah. Let, let's think about this at the beginning <laughs> stages of this, though, and, and this is a good. This is could be a very good solution for the group. Mm-hmm. Um, have the DM take that character. In the middle of the night, the character flees with the one thing the group needs to fulfill their quest. That's another great right? idea. So yeah. now the guy is gone. And now they have to hunt him down. They have to hunt him down. But what happens now is this character that the DM obviously likes playing now becomes this reoccurring NPC bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It moves the group to do something. and It gives them a call to action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the DM gets to bring the character back whenever he or she wants to mm-hmm. and play them just now on the other side of the coin. And that's a really good way to transition. Uh, that's that's what I, I like love that. about running games. Is yeah. that I can kind of make, I can take my favorite characters, give them a different objective that doesn't, they don't have to be mm-hmm. evil. They just have to have an objective that conflicts with the groups. Mm-hmm. And now they become a recurring bad guy. Well, yeah. Here, here's another way, because they have been kind of, they have been delaying things, kind of going along with yours. In the middle of the night, he does take off with that item. But, you know, the only reason he was leading them back is he needed this item because maybe his wife's been kidnapped and he needs to give that item to get her back. Or maybe his child is ill sure. and that's going to heal maybe, them. Maybe such a uh, maybe let's try let's try maybe something a little more toned down or maybe a little more simple because rather than try to create tons and tons and tons of backstory for an NPC because let's face it the player the PCs should be the stars. Yeah. Well, they should. Of but, this. but you and still so need let, some catalysts. And some there needs to be some catalysts. But I'm just saying, though, it's like let's not try to let's not make the villain so convoluted that they become more of a character than the the PCs are. Yeah. Instead, let's try something a little more simple, like um, like let's say at least the the, the NPC takes whatever item. Let's just mm-hmm. say it's a lamp. Let's say it's a lamp. Yeah. So it takes a lamp because he wants to see what they would do. Just, I mean, yeah. let that be the motive. He just wants to see how they would behave. Well, I mean, I, well he, gives, he gives it back as soon as, as soon as they catch him. Yeah, I mean that works. That's but all. Also, that you know, he has to get back, to, you know, to heal a, a child or somebody. He wasn't doing it for an evil purpose. He just he wanted to save his family. So you're, and, you, you want to keep him sympathetic then? Well, yeah. that way he's not a villain. You know, he's just a guy that ran into a bad spot. You know, and the, the well, really, but really, the, the, the players were delaying well, things so much he had to. He had to provoke an action. Well, a lot of villains, though, are were good people who true. ran into a into a bad spot. Yeah, it's true, bad but choices. this this yeah. way it kind of provo- gets rid of him, and then it you know it calls them to action. Yeah, but you know your 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 option is still a fun one too. I mean, there's several ways we could go about this. I mean, yeah, sure. we could probably all think of a different way for the, this DM and this group. You know, the but one yeah, action I, where Kenneth just steps up and says, "Hey." You know, I, I've appreciated I'll, I'll your guys' yeah. help. I think I think I can t- I can do this. I'm going to be the leader now. You guys, you know, let's we can do this. And, yeah. and part of that is uh, when you are presented with a puzzle or a you know a diversion in the past, mm-hmm. 
you have to not be afraid to be the one to make the decision. Yeah. That could possibly kill the group. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, that, and that's the hallmark of a good leader, though, is someone who is willing to make a decision. Not, I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you are concerned whether or not it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. or that it's the right way to go to complete the puzzle, or it's the wrong way. You're worried about that. But you're ma- still making the decision regardless of whether or not it's right or wrong. You know, you you look at the evidence, you assemble the pieces, you get the input, make sure you know because like you know, everyone has a say in it. You, you you gather up all that data and then you make the call. Yeah. Rather than you know gathering up all the data and then you're like, uh, um, well, I don't want to be the one who makes the call because I mean that's just flimsy. Yeah. But you know, a, a good leader will be the one who just puts his foot down, said you know his or her foot down, and just says, this is the way we're going. We're going to go, you know, because if we don't go this way, we're just going to keep arguing about it. Or we're just going to be sitting here in silence all night. Just go in that direction. Yeah. No, it just simply, it's going to have to be two things. Either DM needs to come up with a solution to move this character away, however he feels fit. Yeah. Because the training will need to come up. If Kenneth is asking this question. Yeah. The group is ready. Yeah. Or at the very least, at least Kenneth Kenneth is ready. ready. Or Kenneth needs to step up and say, you know, I appreciate your help with this character. Yeah, it's time for us to to move forward. Yeah, because, let us use our skills. You know, we're we've now, now we've, we've grown, grown up. We know what to do. We've played around enough. Sure. Let us let us either succeed or fail on our own. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and they also need to be able to encourage their DM again. If this is the crutch for the DM more than anybody else, like being kind of tentative and changing mm-hmm. it, changing into the new role, they needed to say. You know, you got this, and, and just as loose advice for anyone who's trying to DM for the first time, m- keep it simple, listen to your players, and be ready to just be flexible, you know, and so if, if the DM to this game is listening and you figure out who you are and that we're talking about you, if you take that advice, you need to take the training wheels off as well, and and uh, you guys just need to, to kind of take the leap of faith and figure it out. You and know? as a DM... We, actually, we had uh, Tracy Hickman on the show, yeah. and he was actually helping us out with a Gamer Forge. Yeah. And he said it perfectly. When uh, the DM offers you with point with uh, column A or column B, choose column C and see what they do with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, you know, and as a DM, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. yeah. You know, if mm-hmm. if you fail, you failed. You learn something new and you move on. You know, there's been times, even when, as I've DM'd over the years, that I've I've screwed up. You know, I took I took something either too serious or too far, and things didn't work out. And that's okay. You can still recover. And if everyone dies, you make new characters, you move on. Yeah, then you know, you got a, you got a fresh chance at yeah. it. You know? So, you know, and, and as a character, if your character dies, you know, it sucks. You put yeah. time in there, you know, maybe they can bring him back to life. But if not, hey, yeah. you, you had fun with that character. Yep. Make a new one and continue yeah, on with the have, story. You have no idea and, how many times I had to retry Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil mm-hmm. for 3rd Edition. Because we kept dying. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's a nasty <laughs> That's a nasty module. That's a long, <laughs> nasty trek. Yeah. Also, and just as, as a side note, again, it's not that hard to make a new character anymore. <laughs> no, not in fifth edition. <laughs> so even, even that fear However, should be taken off the table. However, if you are playing second or, you know, third or yeah. fourth. It can take a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's but if you're playing some, fifth, if you're playing fifth, you can die and be back in twenty and, minutes. And there's no and there's no reason if if this is your guys' first run at at this with the new roles and the new GM and in these characters. If you really love those characters, there's no reason why you can't do an adventure to figure everything out yeah. and then just reboot from level one. You're not going to lose that much, and then you can keep the character you love. But 
with the way that combat and these monsters are in this dang edition, yep. you're going to be rolling new characters <laughs> sooner than later, okay? You, like, it, the, the way this edition is, uh, is out is it's all about teamwork, working yep. together as a cohesive team. And yeah. if you don't work together as a team, you are going to be re-rolling your guys. A lot. Well, a it, lot. It, not only that, it, you know, it gives you the freedom to play whatever type of game you want. Mm-hmm. If you want... Story driven. If you want to combat driven, it gives you everything. But you need to realize that death will happen if you do something stupid. Um, you know, you gone are the glory days of being able to charge in by yourself and defeat a giant army of goblins. Because let's face it, that would never happen anywhere in reality or in yeah. any storybook. You, even when Dritz runs in. You know, he is jumping and moving, and he's still depending on his buddies to come in and help clear up the house. Yeah, yeah, they're really strong and amazing. He still, still depends on them help. because they get the crap beat out of him yeah. time and time again, and that's what they brought back to the game. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Speaking of that, and just another side note on an audio audible plug. Yes. I downloaded that free audible book um, yeah. that they were offering the the different short stories of Dritz, and so that's my actually my introduction to a Dritz story. And um, his panther, I forget. Run of our? Yeah. Pretty awesome. So yeah. all I can say is there's only two days left on that, folks, to get that free. Go get that. Otherwise, you free have to pay. So, yeah, Audible.com the, yeah, the 20th. <laughs> Dungeon Crawlers Radio. I think the 20th of September is <laughs> nice. the end of that. So, All right. Uh, we are down to the last three and a half minutes. No, it's catch us. It is. So catch us next week where we have uh, Deep Love and... Oh, yeah, we will have Aaron Evans. We'll Aaron have that Evans. interview Ooh. on as well. So wow. that'll be Dingley. lots and lots of fun. Yep. Good times. Dingley. Yes. So uh, let's see here. So, uh, and then the following week, John Brown. Yep. And then R.A. Salvatore. We'll get to talk to him some more. Yay, we always love talking to Bob. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the interview with Bob uh, from Gen Con, it's on YouTube already now. So go Right now. And on our Facebook page and Twitter. So go it's check it out. It's live on YouTube. Yes. Pre-recorded. <laughs> so, uh, very special, special thanks to, to Tobias Buckel for being on with the show with us tonight and very special thanks to Epic Puzzle Games our sponsor for the past uh, four years now oh so long it's been nice we that's like right them. so anytime you uh, want to yeah. uh, pick up a copy of any of the games we've been talking about on Dungeon Callers Radio just come on down to West Valley City just uh, west of Bangor Highway Highway yes 30 30, what are we at? 3500 South, 3980 West. 3980 West, that's right. 3980 West. Also visit their location in Lehigh, Utah. And their new, soon to be location in Ephraim. In Ephraim, Ephraim, Utah. So those of you attending Snow College can go to Epic Puzzles and Games. (laughs) So if we ever want to do a live remote from there, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Visit them at epicpug.com. Epic Puzzles and Games. How was your night? Mine was epic. All right, and uh, check our Facebook page because uh, we will have a little contest. It'll be happening later this evening uh, and in tomorrow to give away a copy of Hurricane Fever from Tobias Piquel. Uh, we were going to do it during the live show, but because he called in, I, yeah, I ran to a few limitations, but we will be posting something so that you'll be able to enter, and we will be, re- uh, we'll be picking two lucky winners. Awesome. Uh, free yeah, stuff. That's free right. Stuff. Two lucky winners. So... Um, if you yeah. watch the video of the giant squid being dissected, ooh, ooh, maybe, maybe you'll get one. If you can name a movie that I'm going to be quoting this week, this week, <laughs> that's how you win the other one. That's ooh. how you win the other one. There you, there you go. go. Maybe. All right. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, so there. Are we, are we the, doing that through Facebook or Twitter? Uh, we'll have to throw it do out. One, both. Do one through Twitter, one through Facebook. Okay. okay. That way we get both. All right, cool. There you go. All right, hey. so we're out of here. That's right. So uh, good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. And as always, please get more from your games. Merchandising. Merchandising. Where the real money is, money for the movie is made. Spaceballs the t shirt. Spaceballs the coloring book. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs breakfast cereal. Spaceballs the flamethrower. The kids love this one. And last but not least, Spaceballs the doll. Me. May the schmutz be with you. <laughs> if they can't get that one. They don't deserve the book. Precisely. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next week with Deep Love. And as always, uh, tune in and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and everywhere else. I'm my own best friend. <laughs>